Welcome to Lead Today with me, Kalina. Let's talk leadership. Welcome back. Today I am recording in the backyard, so you will definitely be hearing nature sounds, potentially my lovely dog Max, and whatever else decides to occur while we're here. So a heads up, it's a beautiful sunny afternoon and I figure it's a great day to do some work outdoors. And this doesn't even feel like work. This is totally fun and play for me. So grateful that you're back listening in today. I would love to chat about something near and dear to my heart, which is self-advocacy in the realm of your health. And I have to put a disclaimer that I am by no means a medical professional, I'm not a doctor, I'm not certified in anything health-related for your body. So knowing that, this is simply my self-recount of what it is that I've experienced in my life and the findings that I've gathered as a result of what it is that I've experienced so far in my life. And if you can either gather some insight or if you've experienced something similar, my hope is to be somewhat of a support or reinforcement for you to know that other people are experiencing similar things to you or perhaps open up a new lens of thought and provoke discussion or inquiry for you. So when it comes to medical self-advocacy, there are three main things that I have realized. One is that you must advocate for yourself as the as self-advocacy describes. I truly believe that when it comes to your health, you need to be your biggest advocate, your biggest fan, the one that is the most involved in your health. And by health, I mean wellness. And by wellness, I mean feeling good. I think our bodies are meant to be in a state of feeling well. I actually have an interview coming up with an amazing, amazing health practitioner Uh, in the coming weeks. So hopefully you'll find that useful. She's far more of an expert on how to maintain health in the body because that is our natural state for a body to feel well. Um, And so I'm really thrilled for her to come on board. And with that, I would love to tell you a quick story. And this story is about my grandfather. And I love him dearly and miss him every single day that he's been gone. It's great that I'm able to live his values I think in many ways and I have so many fond memories of him that being said some of the most difficult things that I went through in my teenage years were in caring for him being a part of his care in the final decade of his life and I don't think anyone is a stranger to this phenomenon that you know we get older and our bodies slow down things shift and We don't necessarily function the same way we did in our 20s. Again, that's something that's up for debate, longevity and everything to do with epigenetics and how our genes turn on and off and the way disease gets in there. But again, I'm not an expert on that. I don't want to go there. I want to focus on (laughs) my story. It is something that I research quite fondly. So it's something that I'm interested in. That doesn't mean that I am the expert. But What I do know about my grandfather is I was 16, 17. He was in and out of hospital. He had his leg amputated due to medical error. The amputation itself was not the error. He had a procedure before that where 
Um, there was unsterilized equipment used. That happened in Ontario, Canada. It was in- unfortunate, uh, but it, uh, it comes to no surprise. It comes as no surprise to me where 50% or more of complications during surgeries are due to medical error. There are lots of stats on this all over North America and I'm sure beyond. I'm not familiar with all medical markets, although I have some experience in Canada, parts of Europe, Fiji, Brazil, Mexico. When I say parts of Europe, I mean Switzerland and Croatia in particular. And um, I've noticed a couple things that reign true throughout. And the one thing is what I noticed with my grandfather, which is throughout the entire process of doctors making this mistake, which let me just start here by saying doctors are human beings and I completely respect what they do. I think it's incredibly difficult to show up every day and have people's lives on the line. Most of us don't do work that has that level of consequence to every decision or many decisions that we make. And so I believe that medical error is always going to be the case when you have humans involved because humans make mistakes. We're imperfect. That's absolutely fair, expected, and almost the point. I mean, a lot of ingenious inventions and new discoveries come from accidents or mistakes, things that we didn't intend to happen. So mistakes, while we could villainize doctors and hospitals, and believe me, um, I've had my fair share of challenging days in hospitals, I know that people are doing the best they can. A lot of them are burnt out. They are absolutely overrun with patients and don't have don't have it in them and it's not actually efficient if they are empathizing with each case completely and taking the place of a family member. That's actually inefficient a lot of times to people's care plans, treatment care plans, because often when we're really close to a subject, medical or otherwise, of course our judgment is clouded or at least different from someone that's sitting with a bird's eye view of the entire system, aka body. So I just want to start by saying I completely respect doctors and this is not at all an attack on the medical field. I think that traditional medicine, so more ancient forms of medicine, as well as more recent forms of interventions can be extremely helpful to prolonging life, to extending health, to making us as a species better. That being said, what I noticed is that if you're in emergency with your grandfather at 2am and he doesn't speak perfect English and is asleep, a doctor or nurse may or may not come into the room and try to wheel him out thinking that his name is Michael and will say, oh, all right, Michael, are you ready for your surgery? And me sitting there at two in the morning saying, uh, who's Michael and what, are, what exactly are you going to do to him? Because this, I assure you, is not Michael and you are not taking my grandfather anywhere. Um, in that moment, it's not about villainizing that doctor. It is about saying, hey, I'm here as a family member to advocate for my grandfather who is incapacitated for whatever reason. One being, I mean, he was asleep, but again, his communication level wasn't to the same degree as a local person or a native Canadian person, which was me in the room. And so I think this is a really important point. And there was time and time again, there were times when nurses would take him off of medications. He needed to be on antibiotics because of this blood infection that was caused due to unsterilized equipment during a surgery. Again, in Ontario, this can happen anywhere. People seem to think that developed countries don't make mistakes, and that's another misnomer that I'd like to clarify right away. 
everybody, every single human makes mistakes. And so advocating for yourself is not about being a conceited prick. It is not about being self-righteous. It's about you knowing your situation best and you being able to provide further information and any good doctor or let's say great doctor the great doctors that I've worked with in multiple countries around the world the great doctors want to hear your story they want to take the time and understand your case and they want to work with you they want to collaborate and so self-advocacy is not only respected by amazing medical professionals but it's actually solicited they want you to chime in on what it is you've been experiencing because you know what's up now does that mean being a google doctor you know what i mean it's so easy to just google and decide you have like 30 different diseases and you have a tumor and now you know everything is going to hell it's really easy to be a google doctor that's not what i mean i don't mean advocating for yourself due to the fact that you've self-diagnosed because you've read one Wikipedia article. That's not what I mean. I mean me knowing that my grandfather was struggling in a bunch of different regards, knowing his medical history incredibly well as an advocate for him, which is, I guess, familial advocacy or advocating if you're a caregiver. Uh, And I think it's incredibly important to note that you can add value here. This is not an ego contest. This is not a battle of wills. This is about getting that person better. And if they're going to be in a hospital environment, because that's the best environment for them to get better based on your opinion or current critical needs, that means that we need to work together. And so self-advocacy does not mean being an opponent. It does not mean villainizing doctors. It means being firm and strong in your voice. It also means knowing your rights. And that's something that I think many people also don't consider. Know your rights as a patient in the medical care system. This varies dependent on province, state, country. It also depends on who the administrator is that you're talking to. They might honor your rights or not. And that's something really important. I think people show up unprepared because they're not used to the system. Doctors know the system better because they're in it day in and day out. Nurses, administrators, whoever is in that ecosystem, they know the ins and outs of the system better. And so it's easy to not self-advocate and relegate all of your control to a medical professional because you think they know the system better. And they do because they work in it every day. That does not take you and put you off the hook for being responsible for yourself. And I think that's something. And again, You can't always be self-responsible. If, for example, in the situation with my grandfather, he had a certain level of responsibility, but then at some point he needed help. And so I think one thing for self-advocacy is also knowing when to get help and who to trust to get help from. So, you know, he trusted his close family members. I think that's great. If you have a trusted family member that you can share your care plan with, you can share what it is that's important to you. For example, some people are totally okay with pharmaceuticals, they're okay with painkillers, they're not worried about it. But is it informed okayness? Is it informed? Was my grandfather okay with having tons of painkillers and then subsequently being reliant on them? Was he okay with that? He wasn't necessarily okay with it. He didn't know anything else. And that's partially on him, that's partially on us as family members, and that's partially on the medical community that contributes to the opioid and other painkillers or narcotics 
consumption in North America. I think it's really important, critically important for people to have knowledge, to get many opinions, to have awareness around what it is that they're okay signing away. This could this also of course relates to your rights. They're they're all kind of hand in hand with each other. So if you know your rights as a patient, which by the way is a Google search away. So rather than searching all of these potential symptoms and finding coming up with this rare disease that you have, let's focus on getting very clear on what our rights are within the different systems. Again, not to be difficult, not to be rude. This doesn't give you a free pass to be obnoxious. What it does is it provides you with some clarity and some power, again, not in a bad way, self-advocacy, power to say, hey, here is what my rights are as a patient in this establishment. And these are the things that are really important to me. I want a transcript of all of my medical procedures or my medical history. If somebody is taking a a blood test or they want to do some sort of diagnostic, an x-ray, an ultrasound, I don't think it's too much to ask to say that I want a record of that as the patient, as the person who is being imaged or poked and prodded. And that's absolutely one of my rights. I'm not asking for that in a demanding, rude way. I'm simply saying, hey, you took an image of my brain. You did a brain scan. Mind if you give me a copy? And if people are difficult with you because they have competing pressures, they feel pressured because their environment is incredibly stressful, that's not your responsibility. What is your responsibility is to be polite, is to be very clear about your rights and what your request is, and then to await an answer. Now, I'm obviously not sitting here with rose-colored glasses. I've been in situations where my requests and my rights have been flat-right denied, and it's because, well yeah, we don't do that, or that's not our policy, or we don't adhere to that. I have found that rather than trying to complain, get very emotional, or explain myself, the best route and course in that situation is to go ahead, get another medical professional's opinion in that administration or in another administration, because again, you're dealing with people and people have a variety of different opinions within the same profession. Not every single person bakes a cake the same way. Similarly, medical professionals don't do medicine the same way. And that's actually brilliant because again, if we didn't have medical error and we didn't have a unique approach to medicine and treating our bodies to health, then we wouldn't come up with innovative new solutions. So I'm happy by the fact that doctors have a different approach. I'm thrilled that not every doctor practices medicine the same way because it means we have a variety of approaches which is going to bring us a greater diversity of solutions and options. But that means you have to be in the driver's seat of your own healthcare. You don't have to get on the same bus as a doctor that you don't ideologically agree with. If they solely focus on surgery, the more surgeries, the better. I think removal is best. I'm going to remove this body part. If we just get it out, your system will function better. If that doesn't coincide with your philosophy toward medical care, your philosophy toward your body, if you have a different philosophy then perhaps that doctor's not for you. And I think this is a great point to perhaps share about this idea of not having borders when it comes to medicine. I think it's brilliant. And of course, this is a very, this is a very privileged or um, could be controversial, but certainly privileged viewpoint to say, look, 
if you don't find a doctor in your region, get outside of your region. Um, I can see how that would be viewed as privilege. Not everybody can get on a plane and go to Mexico, go to Brazil, go to Vietnam to get a treatment that is, let's say, not promoted or unpopular in their part of the world. I get how that could be extremely difficult for somebody in a different financial position that they're in. That being said, finances are about priorities. They're about planning for a rainy day. We'll have a finance episode in another future episode where we talk about saving. And again, I am no expert. I'm not a billionaire. I don't have all of the answers, but I do know that if you have an emergency fund, which people like Dave Ramsey and many others advocate for when it comes to personal finances. If you have an emergency fund of three to six months of your expenses saved away for a rainy day, and we can all do this, we can absolutely all do this if we prioritize it, then that is where you would draw upon when something like this occurs and you need to get the best medical care possible for yourself. Now, does three to six months of expenses account for everything that you're going to need. I mean, if you go to the States, you could have hundreds of thousands of dollars of medical bills. And that might mean, okay, well, do you get insurance? Do you get insurance with travel abroad coverage? What is that coverage? Again, this is a research administrative, probably not that fun (laughs) to, in all accounts, uh, exercise. But it is possible. It's possible to figure out how it is that you want to navigate the medical system with the red tape that's involved because there's red tape in everything. There's red tape when you buy a car or a house. Why not give your body and the medical care that you will receive the same level of attention, if not more, than your your car or your house? Um, Both, you know, bigger purchases. So your body is probably your most valuable resource or thing that you have. I mean, it's certainly... You're with it for life, as far as I know. So I think this is worth giving more attention. So grandpa taught me a lot about advocating for myself and my loved ones in medical environments. Along, I mean, he taught me so many other things, but certainly that was something that I learned at a young age of 16, that while doctors and medical professionals are absolutely there doing the best that they can, they are humans. And so you need to step in when you believe that your rights or your body, that they're missing something, that they're perhaps not catching everything that they could catch. And this, this is a similar story actually to my own personal journey. We talked about this in a previous episode around uh, menstruation and how I have felt about my period. I know so many women struggling with this every single month and it's like, Again, back to my earlier point, your body is meant to be healthy. There's not meant to be pain day in and day out. If you have a chronic condition where you have pain day in and day out, something's up and something (laughs) you need to find a way to deal with that. Are painkillers the answer? Well, they're just shutting off the receptors in your brain that are telling you there's pain. That's not necessarily a long-term solution, in my opinion. So perhaps it is for you. If it is, I respect what you need to do. But I do know that our body, for me, my core philosophy is that our bodies are meant to be healthy. They're meant to return to a state of health and wellness, homeostasis, right? Our bodies are meant to be able to bring themselves back into a good condition. And we need to figure out how best to allow our bodies to do that, how to let our minds get out of the way to let our bodies do that. And so 
that's probably again a different episode i think when we have sonia on the show we're gonna have some interesting discussions about getting out of our own way when it comes to our bodies healing but let's just focus on self-advocacy for today when it comes to our health it's very easy for me to go on tangents when i talk clearly and that's probably okay i hope you're enjoying the lovely bird sounds in the background i i really don't think i could have picked a better place to do this episode i'm just feeling it's sunny it's a gorgeous day I wish I could almost show you, but that's not what a podcast is for, is it? So the next step, which is around my menstruation and how this relates to you, even if you don't menstruate. Well, since we're advocating for ourselves from the first example above and saying, hey, this is about me and my rights and what my philosophy is, the second step is to get many opinions. I touched upon this earlier and I just want to drive this home with a little blurb about my menstruation. And of course, we've already talked about this in a previous episode. I won't wax and wane. That being said, what I noticed is this problem or challenge started for me when I was, what, 13? (laughs) And it's going to continue until I'm, what? And not challenge, the process of menstruation is going to continue in my body for another, what, 20 years, 25 years, like whatever you want to give me for the next while. And I've already been dealing with it for 15 years or so. What sense does it make that my body would put me through hell every single month over month and that's normal? It's not. And I think this is nothing new. There are so many people publishing research on the fact that there are hormone disruptors in our water supply at times, in our food, in the medicine we take when we take birth control that's artificially and chemically altering our hormone levels for, yes, a purpose, but there is always a cost to something. There are benefits, and with any benefit comes a cost. It's just, you know, opportunity cost. If you choose to go to the park, it means you can't go to the grocery store. Like, that's just the way life works. If you make a choice, there are other choices you could have made instead. So there are drawbacks to every decision. So taking birth control is not a fix-all. And actually, many women are put on it at a young age without having informed consent about it for themselves they don't know what all the implications are they don't ask the right questions they don't even and often they go alone and at 16 if you go alone and you get put on an altering substance well you're not allowed to drink alcohol so I don't think it should be again personal opinion but if you're not at the age where you can legally make a decision about ingesting alcohol or smoking cigarettes I don't know where and how it makes any sense to allow a minor to make a decision like that about their body to go and take birth control like i and i know this is unpopular amongst any 16 year old listening which i imagine is like maybe one maximum but look i made so many crazy decisions at 16 because i thought i knew what was going on and i was very smart i I would say i'm still relatively smart That being said, there's so much that I don't know. And that level of understanding, the the understanding is that I don't know much at all. Like, I I know very little. That realization is something that at 16, it's very easy to think you know everything and to have this kind of 
I mean, I don't think I'm only speaking for myself, right? It's like you're just this self-righteous young kid. And that did help with the first point, which is self-advocacy, because I thought, no, I'm going to take care of my grandfather. I'm right. I know what I'm doing here. I'm not going to trust some random doctor who just met my grandfather. You know, there was some benefit, but there is a drawback because we miss critical information when we think we know everything. And so that's why with my period, I went to, you know, I went to one doctor, got one opinion, followed that doctor's opinion went the course, still had pain, and I said, this cannot be correct. And so then I went to another doctor, and then I went to a naturopathic doctor, and then I went to... (laughs) He loves to bark at the lawnmower. He seems to think that it's... I I don't know what he thinks it is, but he loves barking at it. Never gets old for him. Um, so after I went to a naturopathic doctor, I saw another naturopathic doctor. I read books. One book that's quite useful, I think, is Elisa Vitti's book, Woman Code, Woman's Code. I'll link to it. She's brilliant. I've recommended it many times to different friends. Um, sometimes things as simple as just cutting caffeine or reducing caffeine intake, reducing alcohol intake. Sometimes just those two things alone are a night and day for hormone levels. I think this is a great point to also say that if you can go and get your hormones tested and have that information on hand, it's incredibly important. The younger you can do it, the better. If you down the road want to take bioidenticals, which is trying to mimic the hormone levels from your youth in order to stay youthful, that's also a controversial topic that people talk about. But if If down the road you ever want to know what your levels of anything were at when you were in a peak state, it's really important to get blood work when you're actually feeling good. Most people only get blood work when they're feeling off and they're like, oh, I feel like crap. Okay, I need to get blood work and see what's low. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense and that's fantastic. Do it. (laughs) Um, That being said, it's also incredibly important to have a snapshot or a picture of what your hormones are like when things are awesome, when you're at a great natural healthy weight when you're energetic when you feel strong when your cycle is regular when you feel at your best do some blood work get a complete hormone panel understand what your blood levels are like especially for women who are constantly losing blood right it's like hello you need to know what it is like to be at your peak in order to be able to replicate that and to know what your baselines are and that's a really good point around my period, self-advocacy, getting many opinions. It's like your body is incredibly unique and your levels, your optimal levels of iron or vitamin D or red blood cells, for example, even though there's a range on every blood test, first of all, range is very so much depending on region. Like if you look in Europe, um, the way that, the, first of all, they're just different measurements, which is fine. That's just a different form of measurement. But if you look at the recommended levels for things, just vitamin D, okay? If you look in Europe versus in Brazil versus in Canada, like you're getting different indications, the, the iron as well. And the range is so broad that even if you're in a normal range, you could be at the higher end of that range or the lower end of that range. You could be almost in critical mode, but because you're which happened to me, by the way, just because you're 21 and the end point is 20, just because you're not 19, you're 21, the doctor can say, oh yeah, you're good. It's like, I'm good. I had a brilliant doctor who actually I'm hoping to get on the show as well. We'll see if we can get him on here. He's like so busy and brilliant. Um, He's an expert in 
hormones and particularly traumatic brain injury and what happens to hormones and the body when you sustain a traumatic brain injury, which I did years ago. He has been uh, fascinating to work with and learn from his system, mostly. I don't get much time with him personally. I wish I did. He's brilliant. Um, But he talks about it as though it's like, you know, a car. It's like if you were running on just one or two cylinders, that's obviously not ideal, right? Like we want to run on six cylinders or eight cylinders, if you will, like whatever your car has. And that's another important consideration. Are you, do you have six or eight cylinders? Like this is completely unique. We need to focus on individualized medicine the same way we focus on individualizing our careers, individualizing our family life and our educational pathways like now it's like you can choose you can choose whatever books you want to read you're not stuck to just the curriculum that your teacher gives you in hard copy format in school like you've got google you can make your education whatever you want it to be similarly your body is unique the systems might run similarly but your levels of optimal hormone levels vitamin d levels what whatever level weight your ideal weight that is completely on you. And so the next step, so of course, advocate for yourself. Know your rights when it comes to everything, not just healthcare. Know your rights. Know what it is as an individual. You have the liberty to ask for, to do in a situation. Um, advocate for those rights. Advocate for your best interest because we are all humans just doing our best and we are all self-advocating by the way like no again my opinion but I don't believe anyone can be truly altruistic like you need to take care of yourself before you can take care of others and anybody that tries to seem like oh no I'm just this martyr I don't care about myself at all it's like I would really highly begin to question that individual about their motivations and how it is that they came to be on this path and perhaps there are some gurus or individuals who truly can completely remove their ego from an equation but I think that's few and far between and I think that biologically we are programmed to take care of ourselves for our family's survival like it's just a human instinct that's why people get very defensive that's why people get extremely stressed in a scenario where they feel they're being treated unfairly because they are there ready primed to fight in whatever format for their lives so hello Max so Again, back to this idea of individualized health, you need to get somebody that aligns with your philosophy and whose methodologies create results based on what you believe. Now, again, this is not to be a Google doctor and it's not to say that a doctor can't know more than you. They absolutely can. They should because they're in that ecosystem. They are working on different bodies every day and so they know what works well and what could be even better but you need to find somebody who resonates with you to partner with you on this journey to health so whatever it is that's been bothering you when you interview a doctor and I say interview very consciously interview that person get a sense or perhaps they've published articles perhaps they've published things on their site they have some podcast interviews who knows I mean have a look have a look at their philosophy get a referral from a friend understand who this person is We are in an age where we are so critical of who our Uber driver is, but we won't take a look at who our medical professor, who's going to remove your spleen. It's like, yeah, 
I want to have a second look at this person. I was going to go in and remove something from my body. I want to know why. I want to know if there's another way. I want to know their credentials and the rationale behind this decision. Like, I, I want to do a bit of research here and have some understanding before we just go and pluck out an organ out of my body. I think that's fair. Not to be difficult, but to advocate for myself and... The second point is to get many opinions. I mentioned this earlier with my grandfather. This is what I did on my period journey. Um, So far, I've had at least 10 different medical professionals give me feedback. And actually, the best feedback that I received about my menstrual cycle, Elisa Vitti's book is great. Um, Looking at what Dr. Comer, the gentleman who focuses on hormones and traumatic brain injuries, his feedback is great. Actually, the best advice and the thing that has worked for me and I mentioned this in the other episode but the best advice that I got was actually from Indian philosophy and how Hindu religion approaches and and actually I want to be very careful about this I believe it's Ayurveda I don't actually know if it's Hinduism that approaches this and I I don't want to say that incorrectly and sound completely I, I linked to videos in my other post and those are the exact videos that helped me I believe it's Ayurveda, which is traditional medicine from the Indian region. And yogic philosophy is also based off of, or it uses Ayurvedic principles for healing. And that is the only thing that has helped me, is actually resting during a time when I have pain. And it's funny, I'm, I've just started, uh, which is, again, not a medical professional, but I've just started a functional medicine course, and I will certainly report back to you about how that's going. I just wanted more information for myself. It's totally for self-knowledge. If at some point I can help others, that would be fantastic, but I want to get a grasp on my own body and system before I try to tinker with anybody else. <laughs> um, but it asks in the very early stages of the course, it says, Essentially, why do you want the symptom that you're having? What's the benefit? Why? Why do I want this? And that question is so, it's like, it feels a little bit annoying when you, (laughs) if you first think of it and you're like, okay, I have pain, like I have a debilitating migraine or my period pain is so painful that I'm like doubled over in pain. I feel like I'm going to birth something uh why do i have this i don't know my body is against me that's that's what it's easy to think right like my body just hates me i don't know like why do i have this and i think if we shift our mindset to this and say okay but what's it trying to tell you because if you're in like excruciating pain your body is obviously obviously trying to say hello to your mind like this is not something's wrong here right i mean you break your leg and you're it hurts like hell and it hurts because your body's like hello like pay attention to this there's something that needs to heal here this is like a big deal and so i think we minimize the importance of menstruation because we have quote-unquote more important things to be doing like working like going out with friends like continuing to live a normal life whatever that means and it's like you know what i have noticed that if i give myself four to five days a month to slow down to rest and the second thing which i shared in the last episode also is heat so if i heat my back 
and my abdomen area. If I do those two things, and and the the medicine also says has a lot of other indications, and you can delve into that if you're interested. But the two biggest shifts, and I've again, Elisa VD, she talks about. Um, you know, dietary decisions, the ca- you know, cutting the caffeine, cutting the sugars, cutting dairy, doing an elimination diet, which I'm going to talk about shortly. There, you know, supplementation. Oh my goodness, the amount of supplements that I've taken to try to regulate my body. It's astounding how much money I've spent on supplementation. Some work, some work better than others. It's a, it's a game. It's like a, it feels like Russian roulette. I've been through it with a friend of mine also who we closely follow each other around this. And it's like no supplement has done the job. Not one. The way that rest and heat are able to do for my body. Simply rest. The moment I notice that pain is coming, that my cycle is, my, my bleeding cycle is starting, I am laying down. I'm taking it easy. I'm shutting off the screen. I am canceling meetings. Yes, shocker. Canceling meetings. I am not working. Nope. I'm not contributing to my business when my body needs me. And I say that and it's like the amount of pushback I could get from... I just think about potential investors of my company that have said, you know, we want 100% of Kalina. Like, we want to know. If we invest in your company, we want 100%. And it's like, what? That's terrifying. Like, nothing in my life gets 100% of me. I love my husband. My husband doesn't get 100% of me. My parents my siblings my work my body like nothing no one part of my life gets a hundred percent of me that's just I mean it's impossible first of all but it's like ludicrous to think that I should abandon my health for a job I should like what hop myself up on painkillers and caffeine and then muster my way through a presentation I'll never forget I did a presentation it was a pitch And I was in an accelerator and I did this pitch and they actually wanted to kick me out of the program after that. It was a checkpoint and I had been doing work for months, every week, delivering on time, every week showing up. And this one day, it was the first day of my period. And I remember before the presentation, like minutes before I was supposed to go on and it was, I mean, it was virtual, right? Minutes before and I couldn't say no. I wasn't allowed to opt out. And this is, I had this problem in school too, right? Like where, oh, I want, I need to take a, like a day off. I need a sick day. And I remember like battling with my parents being like, you need to go to school. Like, what do you think you're doing? This is absolutely ridiculous. You cannot just shut down your responsibilities for this. And it felt so wrong. And now when I look back in retrospect, it's like, how could I be surprised that I was in excruciating pain? My body was screaming at me to stop. (laughs) Like screaming at me to just stop. And so if you can learn anything about, and even if you, this is not about your menstruation, even if your periods are completely fine. It's like I had a high stakes presentation and five minutes before I went in, I was in the tub in like scalding hot water because I couldn't move otherwise. Like it was just, I I needed something to stop the pain and the heat was the only thing. And I was like on the verge of passing out the heat mixed with, you know, losing a lot of blood. And the only thing I could think of was 
I need to put on my clothes and I need to do this presentation. And that is just so backwards and wrong. And the fact that I got kicked out of that program, which by the way, (laughs) just as an update, they let me back in because I was an incredible performer. I just needed a day. Like that is exactly what I mean. Society and, and personally, I felt like it all hinged on this one moment, this one presentation. Like I cannot turn my, you know, I cannot turn off. I cannot take a break. And it's like, you know what? I'm actually not that important. Like at all. (laughs) I mean, I, I love myself. Like I think I'm a great person, but you know what? If I stop for four days of the month because I need a break for my body to go through a, pro- a purification and detoxification process and do what it needs to do, and it's screaming at me to listen, I'm pretty sure my business, my friends, my husband, my dog, like I'm pretty sure everybody is going to just say, you know what, we're good without you <laughs> for four days. And it's a welcome break. And so I get it. People are like, well, what about the single mothers? Like, what about people that don't have any support? Like you're just speaking, you want me to fly to Mexico and do blood work and just sit on my ass for four days a month. And you think that what everybody is just living this cushy lifestyle like you. It's like, well, no, but I also don't necessarily live a cushy lifestyle and I plan for it. So it's all about choices but I, I get that I come from a huge place of privilege. Like, I'm very clear on how lucky I am. But that being said, this is actually coming from ancient principles where people lived in community. I feel like we've forgotten that word in our huge, huge rise of individualism where we have forgotten that we are supposed to be part of communities that help each other, where we're not supposed to do it all alone. Like, that is something that dates back way before phones, way before social media way before any of this social media just tries to grasp at a piece of what true community is in a place and so no I don't think you need to live a cushy lifestyle or be a kajillionaire or have the best job in the world I think that this is about community and if you're a mom you need to find somebody that you trust to take care of your kids for a few days or to come live in with you or to work with you on how it is that you can do this and it doesn't have to be a financial thing maybe you can barter maybe it's a friend of yours that comes and stays with you for a few days perhaps it's a way that you can go ahead and pre-cook for yourself in the days leading up and so you can just heat things up like there are many ways to go about this but it certainly takes planning and it certainly takes your willingness to ask for help and that's the same thing with my grandfather if he hadn't asked for help or if we were not helping him to be in there you know, in the hospital room with him, and if we weren't with him 24 hours a day making sure that he was okay, well, I'm sure he would have been okay, but he wouldn't have had somebody advocating for him, and what would the results of that been? So, gosh, this topic makes me so... It's a really important thing to ask for help, and that's not a luxury. That is what we do as humans. We need to rely on each other. There's no way that we can do it alone. Nobody successful does it alone. And no one that's truly successful has ever done it without getting help. Like, they help people. Don't get me wrong. You have to help people in order to find success. But you better believe they're not doing it alone. So self-advocacy is also super about being able to say, I need help. I can't do this by myself. 
All right. Final point. So advocate for yourself. Speak up. Ask for help. Get many opinions. It might take 10 different doctors to finally find somebody that resonates. It might take some research on a doctor that does it the way you want to. Especially now with Zoom, it's like you can go do blood work locally and send blood work to a doctor anywhere in the world via email. Choose a secure email. Choose a secure file sharing. Like, do what you got to do. But you can do blood work and send it to a medical professional anywhere in the world and they can look at it and they can give you their opinion via Zoom. So you don't even need to fly there. If you do need to fly there, save three to six months of expenses. Go for it. Figure out insurance that can support you. Go for it. Figure out a way to get there if it's critical for you to get there. And often some of these places are even cheaper than they would be in your local vicinity. So if you need to get medical care in the States or in Canada, it might actually, well, Canada depends, but it actually might be same cost or cheaper if you go somewhere else in the world than if you do it in your backyard. So, you know, factor in all these costs, but certainly get many opinions. Go with a doctor that feels good. If a doctor's telling you something and you're like, this just sounds, this doesn't sound good. Like trust that kind of repulsion if you will people call it a gut feeling i literally feel like it's like you're repulsed like it's like oh i don't want this to happen to me maybe you should like explore that Mm, just maybe so advocate for yourself get many option opinions have different options of approach listen to your body it could be as simple as rest it could not be i'm not saying that everything is solved by just laying in your bed and not doing anything that is not (laughs) that is not what i'm again not a medical professional but maybe you need rest maybe you need sunshine like maybe you need to go outside my vitamin d levels were so critically low that it was scary and i hadn't been outside i was just working on my laptop sitting inside all the time it's like I'm a human being. I need vitamin D. And it was as simple as doing blood work, having them say, this is incredibly low, you need to supplement. And me saying, okay, I'm not only going to supplement, I'm going to, and by the way, look at what kind of supplement you get, because it could be high grade, it could also be really crap. So look at the ingredients, just like anything else, just like the food you eat, look at the ingredients on a supplement, because it's not one size fits all there around potency. So how strong or, or how even that where it's derived from so different vitamins a simple example is omega-3 you can get plant derived or fish derived omega-3 not going to you know weigh in on which one you know do what you will but know what kind of supplement you're taking but then look to natural solutions there are obviously controversial topics like and i guess we can move to the next thing the next principle for me is that you know your body best so listen which actually i've already been saying for the past minute or so but that is my last final point for today which is listen to your body my body was in excruciating pain and when i stopped when i just stopped doing anything which by the way for me i believe that pain is your body's way of saying stop what you're doing right now If you have a migraine, what do you have to do? You have to go lay down because the sensations are too much. You need to go in a dark room or at least lay down. You want quiet and you need to stop everything that you're doing. That is your body's way of knocking you out, (laughs) knocking your brain out from pushing and pushing and pushing mentally and potentially physically. And it's your body's way of saying rest. You must rest now. So listen to that. And I think the... The final thing that I wanted to share around this concept of listening is actually around food. And again, I'm not a dietitian. I'm certainly not a medical professional. But 
what I've noticed so far is that I know my body best and you know your body best and my whole life I cannot I don't know what it is but I'm like I'm allergic to red peppers like they just don't I get a rash doesn't work for me don't know what it is cooked red peppers are worse than raw ones just a little weird idiosyncrasy about me can't stand red peppers and even the smell makes me nauseous and so most people you know if you listen to standardized nutrition it's like well yeah eat your vegetables what's wrong with red peppers like go for it eat it eat eggplant eat the rainbow eat any vegetable it's like okay generally that's a great piece of advice like eat vegetables I mean to whatever quantity or frequency you want is up to you and what vegetables up to you but like eat vegetables great but anything generalized like that there's always room for questioning around what is optimal for you again right if there's a generalized range for a vitamin in your body like vitamin d if there's a certain range of foods like fruits or vegetables everything's going to hit your system differently and that's what i found with food i am by no means at a perfect weight my weight has fluctuated throughout the past my whole life my weight has just fluctuated and what I know is when I've been healthiest is when I have eaten what makes sense for me there's so much information out there about dieting and every single woman I know I'm just fact checking myself like every single woman that I know decently well has been on a diet of some sort I want to lose weight before my wedding. I want to lose weight before this event. I want to lose weight for summer. I want to gain muscle for this competition. I want to lose my baby weight after having a kid. I want to... Just, it's constant, right? And men are not exempt. Like, men are under the same type of pressure. Just, you want to look different, right? It's about bulking. It's about cutting. It's shredding. Oh, my God. I remember going on a date once where the guy was like, I'm bulking. And we went to an all-you-can-eat sushi place. And it was just like, oh, the amount of sushi he ate. I'm sure it was delicious. But it was just like, you could tell that he had to force himself. And it just felt so unnatural. But he had to do it because he's bulking. And I don't, I don't even, anyway. Point being, you know your body best. Listen to it. If if it's about salmon, like, go go eat unlimited quantities of salmon all i'm saying is that for me when it comes to food i have noticed that intermittent fasting water fasting simply and and i think it's got a bad rap but simply as humans i from what i've felt in my body i've noticed that i don't i'm not meant to be eating every hour on the hour like some of these fitness books say maybe that's different for you certainly my husband needs to eat every hour or he's like hangry I don't know you know he's got a different deal going on that's fine I don't judge him for that I just know if I'm constantly eating my body feels sluggish I feel over full I feel bloated and it's not a good scene and so that means I shouldn't do that for myself not because I can't not because you know Dr. Oz said so not because it's a fad right now to fast but because I'm experimenting with periods of time where I don't eat because I don't think I'm meant to eat all the time. Because I feel better when I don't eat all the time. Because I feel better when I drink enough water. Because I feel better when I don't have caffeine. I feel better when I sleep enough. And sleeping is a whole other topic that, man, everybody's got different needs. Right after my concussion, I was sleeping 18 hours a day. In the summertime, I sleep like 7, 8 hours 
sometimes six. Like, our body goes through phases. Phases throughout the year, phases throughout our lives. We're not the same year over year. When you're a kid, you eat differently. You're growing. Now is like a whole, whole different phase. Your brain development sort of peaks. 26, 27, 28, 29 kind of thing, they say. But then they're deaf. There's so a huge body of research about how you can essentially continue to nourish your brain as you grow older and it's not doesn't have to decline if you do the right things. Anyway, this was not meant to be about you know, th- there's so many different ways to go about it. There are people that only eat raw eggs on a Sunday at 9am. Like everybody's got these kind of fancy things they're doing. My main point is not to espouse some sort of philosophy on you that you should follow because I'm not at all somebody <laughs> that you need to follow. I just think that you need to listen. The the skill that I would advocate for here is listening. Listening to your body. When your body says, nah, don't eat that, listen. When your body says it needs sleep, listen. When your body's in pain, listen. When your body hurts at some, you know, some part, if like if you train and then you feel like, oh man, my shoulder's hurting, it's like, listen to that. Maybe take it easy. Rest, recuperation, and then also subsequent activity and action hugely valuable so I know we've gone on a long winding road here when it comes to health and wellness and mainly about advocating for yourself and I've given examples and perhaps in a circular fashion come back to the same point which is advocate for yourself get many opinions ask for help in the community you know your body best create a collaborative supportive dynamic with whatever healthcare professionals you're working with talk it out talk about what's important to you your priorities your symptoms listen to your own body and for me that's the main stuff that I know up until this point in my life about physical health and I certainly hope some of it's been valuable if any point of this has been and you want to investigate it further I will put links to some of these core topics in the in this episode notes below i'd also ask if you found value to subscribe rate and review if you can on apple i know there's a rate and review anywhere else if you could subscribe if you want to buy me a coffee i'd super appreciate that the link to support this podcast is there there's also a membership option where you'll get behind the scenes stuff so if any of that is of interest I would hugely appreciate your support. Five bucks makes a world of difference. It means I can grab a tea before this uh, next episode. So means a lot. I appreciate you for listening. I hope you derived something useful, whether it's a new way of thinking or something that you disagree with that might spur you in another direction. I am so happy if this was able to provoke something new in your life. I thank you so much for taking the time to hear me out to explore topics with me, and I'll see you again soon.